What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Magic Dads podcast. My name is Blake. I'm here with Stefan. How you doing, buddy? Sleeving. We did this last time. We did. Still no <laughs> sleeves, though. Still no God. sleeves, though. It's 90, hot. 90 degrees out here today. We 90 degrees game. inside. So, uh, listen, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit that notification button so that we get to annoy you every time we upload a video. That doesn't cost you anything. But if you would like to help us out monetarily, there is a link to our Patreon down in the comment section of this video. You can go there, check out all of our extra content. Mm -hmm. And now like that the Loch Ness Monster, but, oh. it is just under a tree fitty. <laughs> I, I did. You... <laughs> Okay, now that that's out of the way, uh, <laughs> we are going to start a series today, very first episode, talking about, oh, what are we going to talk about? Um, it's one-pointed cards. One-pointed cards. So we're going to talk one about the one-pointed cards. We're going to start at the top, and we're going to go all the way down to the bottom. Yep. The very first one is Birthing Pod. Stefan, tell me how you feel about Birthing Pod. So Birthing Pod has a storied history in the format, right? It has sure. a deck that's named after it, Kiki Pod, yeah. which uses Birthing Pod as sort of, it's like it's only required point. And it used to be three points many, yes. many moons ago. Yes. It, it then went to two, and now to one. Yes. Um. And it's an extremely powerful tool in the decks that can utilize it effectively and, and just win you the game. Yeah, so unlike a lot of the creature tutors, Birthing Pod actually puts the creature onto the battlefield, which mm -hmm. can create some insane value. Even yes. if you're not comboing off, you can just put a Siege Rhino into play every turn. And I've talked many people into playing this as their 10th point, even yeah. without green. Yes, even without green. Sean, yeah. our, our very famous uh, Gabos player, that is his 10th point, Birthing Pod. I talked him into that. No green sources in his deck at all. So proud of that. Turn a torch, so turn a torch carrier into a uh, goblin recruiter. Go set your stack up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and very, in that case, good. it is sort of a it is sort of a combo engine, right? Like he gets to play it as the combo engine. It definitely tips its hat to the card and says, "We know you're powerful." Do I ever think it'll come off? Probably not. Um, and I think right now it sort of feels it still feels playable, but definitely people are considering it. Um, so recently, the Turbo uh, Initiative, the Naya Turbo Initiative mm, deck, that's yeah. that's their 10th point, Mox Mox yep. Mox Birthing Pod, uh, because they get to turn a White Plume Adventurer into a Seasoned Dungeoneer. Mm -hmm. And then they then they get to turn a Seasoned Dungeoneer into a Karmic Guide to get back the White Plume Adventurer. They just get to take initiative so much times. It's, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily comboing off in an infinite sort of way, but it is comboing off in, in a way that, like, it's basically just unbeatable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so having said that, and we both, we both love and admire this card. I think we yes. can agree. Yes. I um, do love a birthing pod deck. We're going to quickly, this is fun, vote on whether or not we think it deserves its point. Ready? So, how do we, how do we, we feel about birthing I'm, pod? I'm going to count it down. Three, uh, two, one. Yes. I think birthing pod Easy. definitely deserves its point. Uh, don't want to see it go up any higher though. No, I think at one point it feels super well positioned. It feels like you, you definitely have to make the consideration about whether or not you want to include it in the deck. Um, but having it be free feels wrong. Right. No, uh, the seeker walk deck should not get to free roll birthing pot. Absolutely. No, not. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> no. So the next card on the list is crop rotation. How do you feel about crop rotation? Crop like? rotation is a sick card. So, uh, again, similar to birthing pot, it is a tutor to the board. So mm -hmm. y there are so many silver bullet lands out there that you can just go get. Like your opponent uh, is casting an animate dead. Uh, crop rotation for Bajookabog. 
Yep. Uh, your opponent is attacking you down with a Ragavan. Uh, crop rotation for Caracas. Uh, if you are in, you know, that kind of lands deck, uh, where you're, you know, having all of these sort of land drops or you have access to stuff in your graveyard, uh, you can crop rotation for glacial chasm, uh, oh, so yeah, that, so that right. you just don't get to take any damage anymore. Mm. Um, there's so many sweet things that you can do for, with a crop rotation. Also, you know, if, if thespian stage dark depths is something that you want to do, mm-hmm. it finds either half of that combo. Yeah. It also gets a card called Urza's Saga, which is both a messed up card and a messed up block for a long time it was just getting you cards that made tons of mana like Talarian Academy and Guy's Cradle. Cradle yep yeah and so you were netting tons of mana off this but the addition of like just being able to get a strip mine and strip mine your mm-hmm. opponent and then lock them out with that strip mine if you have any recursive elements yeah um super super powerful so drum roll how do we feel about crop rotation give me a countdown three two one yeah i think crop rotation definitely deserves its point um i definitely don't want to see it go up any higher but i know i think i think it deserves its point yeah it's sort of um one of those cards that feels like it was pointed for both power and ubiquity. Yeah. A lot of green decks were free rolling this. Um, it, it was almost, and for a long time I did too, right? I had a green, I have green decks that I play. And for the longest time, this was just a card that I played. Um, yeah. Crop rotation is another one that I always reference when I talk about traps. Um, mm. A lot of people will back themselves into a corner playing a bunch of do nothing lands because they they have a crop rotation as their tenth point, and they'd be just better off playing nine points and not having all of those do nothing lands in their deck. So yeah, oftentimes the the reason I'm putting this this card in my deck is when there is a really really messed up land that I want to get, and that messed up land is like bizarre like bizarre Baghdad. That's yeah, that's the land. Like uh, there is a a land that makes your entire deck go vroom. Not a suite of lands, just yeah, a land. It, it doesn't go in everything. I think it's appropriate to be at one to limit that ubiquity. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, the next thing on the list is dig through time. Ooh. I think the decks that make the best use of it are the blue X control decks where, um, mm. they, they try to like uh, maneuver to the late game and then they have all of this mana so they can just spend two mm. mana, get the cards out of their graveyard. Then they can go look for whatever answer or threat that they need off the top. Like it's very, very reactive. People look at dig through time and they go, Oh, it's an instant. So of course it's better. Or of course it's very good. Yeah. Um, because you get to dig seven deep, look at two, pick two cards, put in your hand, put the rest on the bottom. Yep. Um, so like you're just getting the crop, the cream of the crop from the top seven. The problem is that we we function in a in a format of singleton, and so looking through the top seven and picking two, you're still only saving seven percent of your overall deck. Yep. And and oftentimes the places that I've seen this card played is as a measure of desperation. Oh yes, it, 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 calling it a desperation card is is very very apt because mm-hmm. again, uh, it's extremely reactive. Like a lot it of the is. times, you're looking for a specific answer to something or uh, a specific uh, threat, mm-hmm. and you're not just refilling your hand with many yeah. threats or many answers in the way that mm-hmm. a treasure cruise or an ancestral recall functions. I don't think it has anywhere nearly the same yeah. potency. And d- weirdly double blue, right? Like if it was just right. a it, blue and one of any other mana, it is, if it well, were like one and a blue whoa. and then like the rest delve, it's, it, that is way better, way easier to cast than the double blue. 
Like yeah, it's it so being weird. it being twice as much mana as Treasure Cruise matters mm -hmm. a lot, especially in a format where uh, the battlefields get very complicated very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know, I don't really think you can afford to be to be you know investing your mana uh, trying to find uh, answers. Like a lot of times, I think it would be better to just play a another answer instead of the dig through time yes. so that so that like you draw that card when you would have drawn dig through time or play another threat instead of dig through time or you could draw that threat instead of the dig through time that said should we go all right three two one here we agree yeah i i think it's okay to take dig through time off of the points list uh, just to it, see. It, well, you know, I, I I don't know that the I don't know that the 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 uh, blue I don't know that the blue decks will just free roll dig through time. Mm -hmm. They already have several cards that are taxing on their uh, graveyard. Mm, so they Merktide. have Merktide Regent. Uh, yeah. They have Treasure Cruise. These are very proactive cards that are going to put a lot of uh, strain on their graveyard resources. Yep. And having too many Delve cards in your deck makes it so you can't cast the spells that are in your hand. That being said, if your deck, like we talked about, is very reactive uh, and you can really make the best usage of that of that of those resources at the end of your opponent's turn versus on your own turn... Yep. Sometimes it's going to function very well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's totally acceptable for us to separate. Like we said, it's it's good and cool for us to separate tre Treasure Cruise from Dig Through Time. Yep. And and view them from their own, like, right. equally they, through different lenses. Right. It's, if it is a Venn diagram, uh, mm -hmm. they are about as far apart as they could possibly be. Right now, I feel like it could be fine being zero. Yeah. It doesn't go in every deck. Yeah. Okay, uh, last card that we are going to talk about today, yeah. and next one on the list is Imperial Seal. So this is not a card oh that God. comes. This is not a card that comes up a whole lot. You don't no. see people casting this card a lot. <clears throat> Spoiler: In our format, for a good reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if you have ever cast Va Vampiric Tutor and thought, "Wow, I want this card to be worse in almost every way," boy, have I got a card for you. Um, so it's totally face up in every way. You don't have to reveal the card, admittedly. That is better than, like, Worldly or whatever. Um, but you're just putting card on top, losing two for a black mana, right? At sorcery speed. Yep. And if I'm doing that, I would spend the two to have Vamp. Um, yes. Yes, it, if that is a thing that you want to do, Vampiric Tutor is better in every way. Yes. Uh, search your library for any card and put it on top of your deck. Like I'm already not super high on card negative tutors. Uh, right. <clears throat> you, you and I agreed on this. For yeah. A while. Having, having to spend a card uh, to like get any card you want on top of your deck is like bad enough at instant speed, but to put it at sorcery speed is even worse. Your opponent yeah. can do, your opponent can do so many things to mess up the top of your mm -hmm. library before you get a chance to draw that card. And also they get an entire turn to like kill you. Right. Yes. Oftentimes, like, the the top of deck tutors, well, that is to say, every other time that these that these tutors are are in effect, that they that they exist on cards, they are instant speed for a reason. Yeah. Which is that you can put it on top at the end of your opponent's turn, yep. draw the card, right. and then immediately win. Right. It's basically like, uh, scry your library. Yeah, the instant Effect speed is the power. Yeah. And so we're basically taking what is the most powerful part of these tutors and neutering it mm -hmm. in a way that makes it totally like just yeah. impossible to play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That being said, 
One, two, three. <sighs> don't still. Like, just no. don't. Like, not only is it not worth the point, if it was zero points, I still wouldn't play it. I would go out of my way to play a nine-point <laughs> deck. Yes, absolutely. I completely I would go, agree. I would play a nine-point deck and not play Imperial Seal, just so that it could see me walking away from it. Yeah, nope. Im- Imperial Seal is a real stinker. Yeah. All right, so we've covered four. Gonna try to cover about this much in every in every uh, we'll just keep we'll just keep going down the list feel it out yeah um so want to thank everybody for listening to this i know um we we wanted a good follow-up to the to the series that we we had a lot of positive responses from and uh let, let me know down in the comments if you agree with any of our our decisions on, on pointed or non-pointed shame cards. us in the comments yeah tell me where i'm wrong tell Bad me why takes. Is the best is the best tutor or why dig through time deserves to be five points. <laughs> yes. Whatever. Do that. Please tell, tell me that I'm stupid, but beautiful. That's all I ever really want to hear. <laughs> uh, thanks for watching you guys. We just want to remind you that we're, we're proud, proud of you. you. Bye.